Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Ravens, still preseason kings of the NFL. A new wide receiver enters the room. And I guess some kind of update on the Lamar Jackson contract situation. This week, that and more on Pod Like a Raven. Welcome to Pod Like a Raven. If only the preseason was the regular season, the Ravens would be the biggest dynasty that the NFL ever saw. I'm Antonio Barbera, here to talk about their preseason victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Some additions, some subtractions this week for the Ravens, and uh, and and maybe some money conversations between the front office and Lamar Jackson. We bring in my co-hosts, who I'm sure will have lots to say on all these different points, starting on the East Coast with Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you, man? I'm good. This is going to be my escape from having to think about Liverpool in a personal and professional matter, um, who are just a dumpster fire. So let's talk about a team that's actually being successful, albeit in the preseason. So again, happy to join you boys and talk about the purple and black. And on the West Coast, Jace Evans, uh, Jace, you, you an Everton guy? I forget. You, you a Tottenham guy in, uh, in the Premier League? or what? yeah, What's your status comes, with that? When it comes to the EPL, I, I'm an Everton fan is a strong word. Uh, I'm told they barely uh, stayed in the EPL last they season. They stink. <laughs> They're worse than Liverpool is right now. Uh, this, this was a... Uh, uh, you know, brought about by Tim Howard, the USMNT great, once being the Everton goalie. No longer the Everton goalie, and they have been not so good. But the Ravens are so good, at least in the preseason. So we got that. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what to make of this. It's you, you, you joked about it, Antonio, being a dynasty, but like it, it, it it's one game away. Uh, if this was the regular season, 23 is the longest regular season winning streak. The Ravens are, have basically uh, almost equaled that. Um, so, yeah, um, I I, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know why it continues, but uh, I, I'm all in at this point. Uh, let's 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 close it out uh, next week and uh, keep the streak alive. going to talk about uh, first some some Ravens news news and notes uh, and then in the second half of this episode attack the Ravens 24-17 victory over uh the head the head coached by Kyler Murray Arizona team that we have some things to say about that but first some news so 
the big addition, big in quotes or lowercase letters, because it's it's a very medium addition, but it is one that we had been discussing and circling for the past few weeks, and it's a wide receiver. It's Demarcus Robinson, signed by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Demarcus Robinson of Kansas City Chief, third banana fame, third wide receiver fame, uh, had some pretty good numbers with them, and then was in, oh, uh, oh boy, almost said Oakland, was in Las Vegas this past offseason, signed a one-year deal with the Raiders, and was then uh, released, and then quickly signed by Baltimore. So I turn to my co-host now. This is an interesting, kind of an interesting signing, right? Because it's not the veteran that we, it's one of those veteran names that we've been throwing around who we were then just positive was going to have a disappointing injury-filled season. This is like a just a mid-tier wide receiver who's <laughs> technically in his prime, uh, and the biggest stat that I will throw out, has not missed a game in his six-year NFL career. He's been active in every single game for all six seasons that he's been in the NFL, and I, I read somewhere that he's a good blocker, which is just hysterical. <laughs> so I turn to you guys now, grading this in, you know, in the vacuum of what it is. No, not on, you know, not as a, uh, is Demarcus Robinson going to be Cooper Cup this season, but what kind of grade would you give this as a wide receiver depth move for the Ravens? If there was ever a case for Antonio being the ultimate optimist, he just called signing Demarcus Robinson interesting. This is <laughs> like what? That's pretty. That's pretty middle of the middle of the road. <laughs> but that's how just bleh I am on this. Who? It took me. It took me a good good google search to be like oh yeah that guy and i'm somebody who is a complete nerd about this <laughs> league D- i guess Dear costa watched the tape of the last time uh, demarcus robinson was in baltimore and caught a touchdown pass and was like oh yeah this guy will work never had over 500 yards in his receiving career and i don't know if he contributes as a third wide receiver on this team i'll be pleasantly surprised i felt no emotion from this signing whatsoever good bad or otherwise and I guess the most positive thing that Antonio mentioned is that he's not just a washed-up vet, or maybe he is. He's one of these guys that will be out of the league by 29. We'll have to see. Uh, it's just, sure, why not that is, basically, is basically how I feel about this. I, I feel like I should have let, let Tib go, go second here because he clearly has, I feel like, stronger thoughts than me because – I, I was prepared to give this a B, Antonio. I, I, I think it's I think it's fine. You know, I, I will say to some of the points Tim brought up, I was actually more excited about this when, when it was first announced and when I first saw it. I was like, oh wow, Demarcus Robinson, he's a good player. And then you do look at the stats and you're like, ah, oh, he's he's not as productive as it seemed like he was all those years in KC. As as Tim said, never went above uh, 500 yards. You know, his career high is 45 receptions. Um, so I don't think he's going to, you know, uh, be a huge difference maker. And, uh, you know, similarly, um, I'd forgot he'd signed with the Raiders. Like, I thought they just kind of signed him as a free agent. So concerns me a little bit the Raiders had him all offseason and were like, ah, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> so so, so I've gotten less excited uh, as, as we've uh, gone along since the news was first announced. But, you know, on the whole, I think it's fine. I, 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 do, think, I do think a player like this ha- presents a level of upside, uh, not to keep ragging on him or bringing him up, but like a T.Y. Hilton 
uh, would certainly, I think. Um, T.Y. just so catching strays on this podcast every single week. <laughs> every week we're like, uh, T.Y. stinks, he's washed. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, so, but in that sense, I, I am more excited, uh, certainly, I think, um, than, uh, um, than, uh, than, than I would for one of these veterans, uh, certainly. And, you know, maybe... Maybe he he steals because we'll get into it, but uh, you know the wide receivers uh, that we talked about at length last week did did not stand out in this most recent preseason game. So I don't mind adding to that room uh, as well. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'd give it a, a B B plus. I mean, the Las Vegas the the depth chart for the Raiders is Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Like, they have playmakers at the skill positions, and so I'm sure it was a situation with uh, Demarcus Robinson where it was. You might not make this team, uh, and if you do, you're probably not going to play a lot. And then it was like, all right, can you cut me so I can find another team to go try (laughs) to play for? And he's better than Tylen Wallace. I don't don't (laughs) care if Wallace hasn't gotten the reps or hasn't stood out enough. You know, I, I have a lot more confidence in Demarcus Robinson, like, lining up in the fourth quarter of an NFL football game to catch a pass than I do Talon Wallace. So, I think it improved the room. It was about as cheap as you can possibly be. It's sort of a, the, you know, hot, whatever, medium upside and absolutely zero downside. Uh, and we'll see if he can, st- first of all, if he makes the team, which is also not guaranteed as this offseason, <laughs> as this preseason, I should say, continues. Um he will probably, I would think, play in the last uh, preseason game a little bit and, and have to show something off uh, in order to stick. But um, a flyer on a, I think, proven NFL wide receiver. Uh, all right, well, that's it for that. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, which is just something that I saw, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but we, I'm bringing it up, whether my co-hosts like it or not, uh, on Twitter. As I was prepping this episode just a few hours ago, this is Monday uh, evening, um, a report came out by from Jay Glazer that about, and we're talking about Lamar Jackson's contract, and the report is what? that, yeah, <laughs> no that's what the subject, subject line is, uh, Lamar Jackson has been offered more money than Kyler Murray, per Jay Glazer, not surprised by that, both sides can't agree on an extension because Jackson was, would like his contract fully guaranteed, so... As much or as little as you guys want to talk about it, but it's kind of funny because that's that's kind of where we've been with this. Is he should be getting more money than Kyler Murray? How much of it does the Ravens front office want to guarantee? How much do we want it to be guaranteed in terms of the structure of this deal for the next five, six, seven years? And I get that Lamar Jackson is put like the you know the line drew the line in the sand. I want this money to be guaranteed. I should be making more than Kyler Murray. Fair. I want this money guaranteed because Deshaun Watson got a contract that's guaranteed. Fair, and I hate it. And uh, I don't know if this gets done uh, in the next two weeks as we get closer and closer to that week one deadline. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, it just like if the Ravens just have a line in the sand where they're like, we're not making it fully guaranteed to give us ways, you know, to get out of future problems. That's, you know, how how these NFL contracts work is they're not 
fully guaranteed you can get out of it. There was a good story Jeff Zarebic did on Tony Jefferson recently that kind of mentioned that uh, when, when he got hurt, he had no more guaranteed money, and the Ravens cut him. And so that's, you know, it's a cold, brutal business, the NFL. So I, I get why the Ravens want to do that. Um, yeah, you mentioned him. I, there's, we I had jotted this down as a news point, but we should probably bring it up now. The reason why Lamar wants guaranteed money is because of Deshaun Watson's contract. And now Deshaun Watson got his guaranteed contract um, because he was basically, you know, uh, well, because he turned down the Browns. That's why he got it. He he ruled the Browns out. The Browns came back and said, what if we gave you $230 million guaranteed, even in the face of this suspension that has now been extended to 11 games um, by the NFL? Uh so it was the Browns getting insanely desperate, and that's why other NFL franchises were mad at the Browns. It had less to do with what they think of Deshaun Steve Bashotti in particular, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he vocal. Yeah, Steve Bashotti said it aloud. We talked about it on this program. He wasn't a fan of it um, because these guys are businessmen, and they don't like what the Browns did because it sets a new precedent that uh, you know these starting quarterbacks who are really good should get guaranteed contracts. And maybe they should. I, you know, they are the most important players on the team. So in that sense, I also get Lamar's ask. I think it's fair. He certainly should get more money than Kyler Murray because he's a much better player. His team wins. Kyler's doesn't really uh, when it matters. And uh, yeah, so so like I, I understand for both sides. It's just like that does seem like it could be a, 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 an issue that there's just there's no solving if the Ravens yeah have a, we're just not doing a fully guaranteed contract and Lamar says well I'm not signing a not fully guaranteed contract I, I don't really know where you go from there yeah I, it's funny with Antonio you know he, he jokes that we don't want to bring it up and we've talked about how it's it's a pain to talk about every single week the Lamar contract although you have to part of this for me is probably the most important development if if true uh, in the Lamar Jackson contract saga of this entire summer. And it is not the Kyler Murray money because, as everybody here has so eloquently put, he's way better than Kyler Murray. Maybe not at Call <laughs> of Duty, but at football. And that's why he should get more money than Kyler Murray. I think the Ravens understand that. I think they're fine with it, you know. And from the player's point of view, remember, you're not only doing the contract for yourself, but Lamar and, you know, the NFLPA definitely hones in on this. You're kind of doing the contract for the other guys coming up. Your Joe Burrows, your Justin Herberts. Get paid, keep raising that level so we can keep getting paid and keep raising it and keep raising it. And this is kind of how it works, and that's how they want it to work. You know, Kirk Cousins got a stupid amount of money, so everybody went, well, I'm getting more than that guy. And I think that part of it is fair. I think he deserves more money than Kyler Murray. I think he deserves more money than Deshaun Watson. But here's where the issue comes. What a transition by Tim is they're not going to fully guarantee his contract. And this is the part that I think is concerning. The Ravens are not going to do this because they're not stupid like the Cleveland Browns in getting out of a contract, or, or I should say, you know, stringing themselves up with a contract that is fully guaranteed that, you know, God forbid if Lamar gets hurt, because look, he's not a injury-prone quarterback, but he hasn't played every single game of, a, of any year so far, if, uh, if, if my numbers are correct. Maybe some of it was benching. Maybe the MVP year. I'd have to, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. I'd have to look. But he, do, he doesn't stay on the field all the time. And it's not because he scrambles and, and the lazy narratives and stuff, but just the simple fact of the matter is, is he's not on the field all the time. And 
no NFL player outside of Deshaun Watson gets a fully guaranteed contract. So this, for me, if Jay Glazer's reporting is true, and we have no reason to doubt it, he's one of the best in the business at this. He's he's one of those guys you trust when their information comes across Twitter or on the on the NFL broadcast or what have you. This could be an impasse. Um, you know, I think I think there was some momentum that oh, now that the deadline's set, maybe a deal's going to get done. I never believed a deal was going to get done this offseason anyway. So maybe, hopefully, God willing, they come back to the negotiating, uh, negotiation table next season and they say, look, we'll give you oodles of money, but the, the fully guaranteed thing isn't, isn't happening. As Antonio mentioned, Lamar is well within his rights to ask for it. Um, you know, you, you have to, especially after the money that Watson got. But this could be the most significant impasse in these entire negotiations. And, yeah, you know, it, for the first time in a while, I'm a bit worried about it, uh, even, even – even before this, when saying it wasn't going to happen this offseason anyway, just the news of Lamar wanting to get the fully guaranteed contract, if it's a I'm dying on the fully guaranteed contract hill and not a, you know, hey, look, I got to ask the question type of thing, we could have an issue in a year's time. There, there's a, a really good movie called War Dogs. Uh, it's got Jonah Hill. Great Miles movie. Teller. Great movie. Uh, and they're like a young upstart arms dealing contract arms contract dealing company for the u.s military during the uh war in iraq and afghanistan it's a true story about these two two guys who started this company and like took on all the big uh other arms dealers during the war and there's a scene where they have like a big bid opportunity for like a major deal and it's 10 times more than any other deal that they've ever done and they like are in the room interviewing for it and they realize that they've gotten it and they're all excited and then they realize that their deal was taken because it was like 300 400 million dollars cheaper than the next (laughs) deal that had been made and that's the browns that's the cleveland browns who over offered so hard and under-delivered so badly that a franchise that once was so poorly run that they would just drive their own team into the ground has now gotten so bad at this that they're dragging other teams to the bottom with them. Teams that don't want to have anything to do with them, have any association with the decisions they make, the players they choose to sign, the coaches they hire, the scouts they don't get. And I hate it because... You, you, you used to just be able to stay away from the cancer that was Cleveland, and now they decided no. They're going to over-offer, as Jace mentioned, this ridiculous contract to a troubled football player who didn't even want to be there, and the offer was so stupid good that he basically had to take it and did. And that's now impacting Lamar Jackson. And I don't like it, and I hate Cleveland, and I think this is a problem because the Ravens front office like has learned from the Joe Flacco deal and is like afraid of that kind of that kind of sizing with contracts and leverage and all that and it's a concern uh I am hoping that Lamar Jackson is okay with some sort of middle ground because there is I think a concern that because Cleveland has now done this that some other badly run team will jump at the opportunity to give Lamar all the guaranteed money because they don't care because they're poorly run too so this is a small, in you know, seemingly a small bit of news that's come out that, as Tim 
uh, also mentioned is like could be concerning down the road and i don't want to talk about it anymore so moving on no no more points for this because i hate it and we're running out of time until week one on September 11th. But uh, some small good news. Let's let's talk positive things. Uh, the NFL Top 100 player ranking came out this week. This is an NFL uh, player voted on ranking. And three Ravens made the list. Huzzah. Uh, the kicker at 94, Justin Tucker, of course. Uh, Lamar Jackson at 36. Mark Andrews, the highest ranked Raven at 32. Uh, guys, no love for Marlon Humphrey? No love for maybe J.K. Dobbins, but obviously he hasn't really had that that much success yet in the NFL. But um, was Humphrey snubbed? Is it fair? Any any players that you think should Jackson be higher? Should Andrews be higher? Should Justin Tucker be higher than 94 as the uh, future Hall of Fame kicker? You, you can make a real case for it. I mean, I, kickers, I, you know, I don't, I don't lock into this list every year. I kind of just take a gander where the Ravens end up. But, you know... Kickers don't make it a lot, but if if any kicker does deserve to, it's Tucker. But then you're like, well, if he's on the list, why not make him higher? <laughs> you know, he's he's the best at literally uh, best ever at what he does. But uh, I was a little surprised that a guy like Marlon didn't get in. I know he didn't have the the, the best season last year, but uh, I figured he'd still find a, find a way to snake onto the list. The rest of it, you know, the Ravens littered this list in the wake of their, like, 2019 and uh, 2020 seasons, but uh, injuries have certainly, I think, how the way last season ended, the just injury situation overall definitely impacted theirs. The only thing I was surprised, you know, I love Mark Andrews, but uh, him being ahead of Lamar Jackson is wild to me, um, you know, because Mark Andrews played really well uh, down the stretch last season, but you, you know you know what the, why the Ravens did win? they didn't win a game once Lamar Jackson got injured. Um, and he, he's just, like, so important to what the Ravens do. Uh, you know, I, I was just surprised. I, 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 again, I love Mark Andrews, but you can't make the argument that Lamar Jackson isn't more important to the Ravens. And therefore, you know, I think he's a better player. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess I get it just based on, you know, relative performance and Lamar missing basically the last, you know, third or quarter of the season last year. Um, but... You know, small thing, but if I was a player, I would have voted Lamar ahead of Mark Andrews. It's really funny because uh, Jace says, I don't really lock into this list. I only lock into this list when I'm scrolling, scrolling Instagram while going to the bathroom, and then I see it, like, <laughs> pop up, and that's pretty much what I look. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, it, it is interesting because it is voted by the players, but I think that also, you know, I wouldn't say detriment, but it, it's also – so focused on just the previous year and everybody was hurt for the Ravens. And that's why you see all these crazy jumps between year to year. Um, so th- I think that's kind of why, you know, I, I don't care about who's on the list and who's not, but I think that's kind of the reasoning because these guys are so locked in on f- and focused on what, you know, what they're doing in that moment that they only look back on the previous year and vote on that and what have you. And who knows how many guys actually vote, but it is cool to get respected by your peers on Marlon Humphrey. I have noticed because it's preseason, so it's like, you know, Maurice Jones-Drew, top 10 quarter, cornerbacks. It's like, what does he know about cornerback? But sure, why not? Uh, but there are a lot of those lists out there, and Humphrey is towards the bottom. He's still top 10 on a lot of them, but he's towards the bottom, which I think is interesting. But then you think about it, and even before the injury, he struggled last year. I mean, think about some of the Bengals games, getting absolutely torched by Jamar Chase, you know. He needs a bounce-back year in a big way, I think, uh, and not even just from injury. Uh, and then on the Tucker thing, I did end up watching 
Um, you know, it, it was a long stint in the bathroom, I would say. Family show. Um, and I watched the videos about Justin Tucker, and they do, like, the players talking about him and what have you. And it was pretty cool to see these guys saying, like, basically what Jace said. If there was going to be a kicker on the list, it's going to be this guy. And just how much how important he is and even guys because players love to rag on kickers and say they're not part of the team or whatever the amount of respect that he got um completely uh from from the from all of his peers and yeah he probably should be higher because look i know vinatieri's got the clutch kicks justin tucker is the best kicker in the history of the national football league and god willing will be a hall of famer should his career either stay at where it is or ascend and not you know, tail off, which you probably heard him being a kicker. It would be cool to see him a bit higher, but respect to him and respect to people for voting him on the list anyway. I should admit uh, the rankings one through 20 have not actually come out yet. They come out uh, in about a little less than a week. So, you know, in theory, Calais Campbell could be in one to 20. I I think they said Andrews actually is the highest rated. So unfortunately (laughs) we did not, uh, the Ravens did not secure a top 20 selection this year. Yeah. seems fine. seems fine that there shouldn't be no Raven that's ranked higher than either Jackson or Andrews at this point. So, all right. So wanted to uh, sprinkle that in for some, some levity here in the Ravens news part of this episode. And uh, the last thing, I mean, we've talked about Deshaun Watson already, uh, in the sort of Browns ineptitude, and this isn't necessarily a Ravens news bit, but um, we talked last week about knowing that the NFL was going to appeal the, the suspension that Watson had originally gotten of six games, and the information came out, I think, sooner than we expected, because it did come out just a couple of days ago, uh, and the Watson suspension upped to 11 games, the fine what went from $0 to $5, to five million, um, and the really only remaining Raven tie-in is that he will now not face the Ravens in his first game back uh, in Week 7, but he will face the Houston Texans uh, in Week 12, and then the Ravens will still have one game against Watson uh, toward the end of the season. I think it's you know somewhere in Week like 14, 15, somewhere in there where they'll play their second matchup of the season. So we'll see if it's Jacoby Brissett in Week 7. We'll see if, uh, you know, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else on the trading block as uh, as we get more and more cuts down close to week one but wanted to throw that out there that i mean i don't like deshaun watson so it'll be nice to not see him week seven and that's the only ravens aspect that we have to touch on at this point uh and that's it for the news we're going to talk about the preseason game against the cardinals next but first tim horsey is up this week with a random raven so Tim. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, 
done. What do you have for us? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a number of times, but we're, we, might have, we might have to think of a new game here soon because the list is getting thin. Although Jace told us off air that he now has compiled a list of people. I, I had an epiphany. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know who I should do? Deion Sanders. And I looked. He was done probably like a year and a half ago. So what did I do? I went to our Facebook. Tim, Deion Sanders was done like before he even got to the Ravens. Okay. Yeah. Should have never, yeah, yeah. never been there. Yeah, he's, he's here all week, guys. Don't worry. Um, so I went to a, our, our lovely friend Wikipedia and typed in list of every Ravens player ever and just started scrolling until I saw a name, hit control F on our document, didn't see his name pop up and said, all right, this is our random Raven this week. So without further ado, I will say, you know, not to not to G you guys up. You guys are going to get this one, I think. But I think it's an interesting one for the listeners as well. Clue number one. This two-time Pro Bowler and two-time second-team All-Pro player spent three of his 12 seasons in Baltimore. The three seasons were towards the end of his career. And I, I put that there because he spent his final season somewhere else. But the three before that were in Baltimore, just to clarify. Clue number two. He was drafted in the eighth round of the 1992 draft out of Penn State and spent the rest of his 12-year career with two AFC East teams. I will say two current AFC East teams. Pretty sure they were AFC East forever, but just as a, just as a clarifier there for you guys, make it easy. Clue number three. He was a member of the 2000 Ravens Super Bowl team. Clue number four. He wore the same number as James Ahedabo, Musa Smith, two former random Ravens, Eric Weddle, and Deshaun Elliott. And clue number five. In 1999, this player became the first back in NFL history to be selected to a Pro Bowl without actually carrying the ball once during the regular season. Okay. <laughs> that clue, yeah, probably helps towards the end there, I would say. Uh, a little bit. But, <laughs> I mean, I know the position, but... <laughs> I'll be uh, disappointed if you don't get it. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Man. I got, I, got like a, I got a name or three, so we'll see if I can get it down to one. Uh, yeah, name. yeah, I might just be... F- rifling through names real just quick. a rich it's just a rich tradition for that type of position mm-hmm. on this team all right well that's a fantastic one regardless i mean a super bowl winner uh is a guy that we should know so I think we just leave it at that um <laughs> okay well, we'll have tim go over those again at the end of the show but for now it's time to talk ravens cardinals ravens they'll never die they're never going to lose a preseason game because they might care about it more than other teams do. And we will get to that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about uh, who do we who sort of stood out in this performance. To start offensively, uh, Huntley, obviously one of the first names that comes to mind. 13 of 14 for 129 yards and one touchdown, zero interceptions. Making a case for himself, guys, as, uh, you know, trade bait. Like, are we getting into that conversation now where... A second round draft pick is worth our, our backup quarterback, or are you still uh, holding tight to Huntley? I, I think it's interesting here. Uh, you know, Huntley, 13 of 14, 129 yards and a touchdown, look completely comfortable. Don't worry. We're likely to get to the tight end later. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Those are going to get really, really bad as, as the season wears on. Uh, but I think, unless you're getting a first round pick, 
for Tyler Huntley, which one I think would be ridiculous by the team that's trying to trade him. I think he has more value to the Ravens than he would to somebody else. Um, and I say that only because if the team is not as injured as they were last year surrounding him, they win a few games and maybe even make the playoffs with Tyler Huntley being serviceable in that style of offense that they like to run. You know, I don't think – I think he's a very low-end starter, a high-end backup. But I think him right now in this situation where they're at – and again, this is not me saying, well, they could use this in uh, as leverage against Lamar Jackson contract negotiations. Or would the Ravens be better off without the headache of Lamar's contract negotiations and just stick with Tyler Huntley? No, that's ridiculous, and people who get paid to say things like that are stupid and dumb and just should not be listened to. Um, but – all that being said, he is a perfect spot starter for this team when needed, and I think that team that is more valuable to them, even as a team who loves the lottery tickets, quote unquote, of the draft. That is more valuable to them than say a second rounder this year. I think that's where I've landed too. Um, I, I was thinking initially, I was like, ah, third, second round pick, definitely. But yeah, I think unless you're getting a first for him, uh, I think you just keep him because I think he's. He, he's one of the best backups in the league, I think, clearly, you know. And, and what makes him excited, because you have your Andy Daltons as backups who, like, we know what Andy Dalton is. He's, he's fine. He's competent. But what makes Huntley just exciting is he, he, he's young and competent and, uh, you know, and, and cost-controlled, and you're not spending a very much money at all to have this guy who's perfectly acceptable in, as Tim said, uh, spot starts. And I think this preseason just kind of reminded me of some of the things I did like about Tyler Huntley uh, that we talked about last year. And in comparison to Lamar is, you know, the one thing I think we that I think Huntley does that I think we all wish Lamar did more is uh, take what the defense gives you. Uh, he's very good at just kind of, you know, step and throw and on time. And I think a, a 13 for 14 stat line. You, you know represents that but he he's been he's been great in both games he's barely had any you know incompletions he's 29 of 32 in the preseason so far so it, it, it's hard to ask for much you know he, he's with the caveat he's also mostly playing backups you know he's looked great and i think that's what you want for a backup and so yeah i think i i think you have to keep him kind of i think i think he's the ideal backup quarterback for this team for Lamar for the offense they run and uh yeah I think unless some team for some reason comes knocking with a first round pick for him I think you just hold on to him because uh, he he's he's about as good an insurance as you can get you know John Harbaugh said he played masterfully so you know that's pretty high praise from the coach so yeah I say hang on to him all right let's pivot now to the soup the superstar of the preseason Isaiah likely my goodness, uh, Greg Olson was doing the color commentary for the the game Sunday night. It was the Fox National broadcast. Greg Olson, a former tight end, uh, noted that Isaiah likely uh, reminded him of Darren Waller, and I think he nailed it. I think it's a really good comp for you know obviously a rookie who hasn't played a regular season game yet. Kind of has the same body, the same movements, is breaking ankles, is breaking tackles. Uh, we're all very excited about Isaiah Likely uh, being tight end number two on this team. And also, stop playing him, please. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. First of all, yeah, they played him. It's funny they played him a bit too much, and then Jace told us I think it was only 15 plays or something. But every time he caught the ball, we were like, stop, stop, we know, we get it. We don't want everybody else to see it. And I think we're all just so uh, hurt from last year. Here's here's uh, some stats from Nathan uh, Janky, and I apologize if I mispronounced that, uh, mispronounced that name from Pro Football Focus. 
Here's Isaiah Likely this preseason. 29 routes run, 12 targets, 12 receptions. And if you've watched both games, these all aren't gimmies. 144 yards, 71 yards after the catch, 62 yards after contact, one touchdown, nine first downs on 12 targets and 12 catches, four contested catches, seven avoided tackles, three, quote, explosive plays. Don't ask me how they measure those. 4.97 yards per route run, 41.4% threat rate. I don't know what threat rate is, but that sounds awesome. And I'm, I'm here for it. This guy, and we, we said it last week. You can go back and listen to the last week's episode. Everybody criticized this team for not bringing in a receiver. And they said instead they found value in the draft, a guy that they really liked, and they got him in the fourth round in Isaiah Likely, and said, we're really good at throwing to the tight end. Why don't we just get even better at that and basically make it super threatening? If if you're going to double the best tight end in football, the all pro, the pro bowler, Mark Andrews, what number, whatever, 32 on the list or whatever it is, then we'll just throw to this guy who already looks like a stud. I'm not overreacting here. I think this guy's going to be incredible for this team. And I think it's... The only thing I worry about now is does he have the same relationship that he has with Tyler Huntley with Lamar Jackson? Like, because Huntley's looking for him like Lamar looks for Mark Andrews in these games. You can see it. Does Lamar feel the same way? Based on the way Lamar throws the football, I'm going to say yes. I think that, I think that it, it was such a smart thing that nobody wanted to look at because, again, you know, we like to rag on the national media, quote-unquote, or whatever, but they they cover a lot of teams. They have to get the basic storylines down. That's fine. I get it. But when you look at this team, yes, the receiving options are not what you want them to be. I completely understand that. I get it. But they just went and took took what the defense gave them, basically, in the draft, you know, to to use a sports metaphor, took what they gave them and just hit the ball where they ain't, took the tight end and say, we're just going to do what we do really, really well, and you're not going to be able to stop it. I think this already looks like a masterstroke. We haven't even seen Charlie Kohler yet because he hasn't been able to play because of injury. And all this does is makes life easier for your Rashad Batemans, your Demarcus Robinsons, your Devin Duvonays, your James Prochets if he ever gets on the field in a regular season. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. It makes their life easier because now you have two monsters in the middle that have to be covered. I I am over the moon about this guy, and as Antonio said, I've seen enough. He does not play on Saturday. Please, for the love of God, do not play Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was just so electric. Yeah, like you said, Tim, Electric! Uh, preseason game! Electric! That's it's perfect. And, 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 yeah, we were screaming in, in the group chat about how we've seen too much, but, yeah, 15 total snaps. But on those 15 offensive snaps, he had eight receptions on 15 offensive snaps. They were just going to him every time and he gets 100 yards on in 15 offensive snaps i like he just the the tackle breaking the the movement was so fluid i agree with you that is actually my biggest concern is the real game start and all the plays and preseason that are going to isaiah likely are just going to mark andrews and lamar jackson is going to mark andrews uh you know, he gave him the African wolf chain. Uh, they're, they're BFFs. So, you know, yeah. Does he have that connection with Isaiah Likely? Who's to say? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was so encouraged that it was a, basically a repeat performance, an even better performance than he had the first preseason game. 
And I, I completely agree with you. It like has kind of assuaged my fears with the receiving cord to a degree because no one stood out to me uh, on the receiving side of things in this battle. The Ravens actually released Jalen Moore today, uh, which was a bit of a surprise to some. But, um, you know, Makai Polk had a nice play that could have been better, could have been a touchdown, except he did a, a classic uh, tribute to Hollywood Brown. So, yeah, uh, no one stood out uh, in, that, in the receiving core. But if you have a weapon... It's just like likely. I think that it'll just batter less and less. Hopefully, so that that was why I was so excited too. Was just because it was like here is a rookie stepping up when you know other pass catchers kind of really haven't this preseason to date. Uh, but he has, and that's really really exciting. So yeah, I'm I'm all in. I'm I'm jazz number eighty, just streaking down the field all fall. Let's let's get after. Yeah, it. I just have to say too, real quickly on him, and I, you know I want to credit you know Mina Kimes. You talk about national media, one very, very smart person who you should always listen to, uh, Mina. She's great on ESPN. She tweeted out, uh, what I believe it was, yeah, it was Monday as we record, a really cool thing about his, his awareness at this level already of he was finding pockets in the zone and he was smart beyond his years in terms of being able to play the game of football. Be like... No, recognizing a zone, finding the soft spot in the zone where there's no d- defenders kind of covering him, and making himself available to a to the quarterback to move the chains. Again, nine first downs on 12 receptions. Uh, just from her tweet here, so much to love about Isaiah Likely, but one thing that stands out, his spatial awareness versus zone coverage. Thanks, Lana. Important because Lamar will always face significantly more zone than man for obvious reasons, which makes a ton of sense because people want their eyes on Lamar so he doesn't take off. And then she goes, whispers, is he essentially the wide receiver two on this roster? I mean, if you're not including Mark Andrews, absolutely. And guess what? I'm fine with it. Uh, first of all, I just want to go back. Jace, no respect for Raleigh Webb uh, and his performance. Uh, two catches nice catch. for uh, and a touchdown. <laughs> uh, I'll give all the listeners out there. I don't know, a dollar if they can tell me where Raleigh Webb went to college. Well, you know how little respect he got when he scored the touchdown? Fox put Jordan Stout, number 11, on this TV. So that's, 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 uh, that's tough. Um, but yeah, obviously, it, it is very exciting. He does look just more developed. It's funny, I, the parallel to me is the other year that the Ravens drafted two tight ends sort of in the middle rounds, and then it was the second one that they took that ended up being much more productive than the first, and that was the Dennis Pitta being taken, I think, around one round after Ed Dixon. And Ed Dixon was fine. He was a good player. But then Dennis Pitta became this favorite target of Joe Flacco, and they won a Super Bowl together. And we haven't seen Charlie Kohler yet. He might be very good, too. Like, wouldn't that be nice if we have yet another tight end who's pretty good? But having this second tight end that is now looks like he's just destined to have an excellent season uh, is nice for a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons. Uh, And then Jace touched on, let's hope that Lamar Jackson and him have rapport because he's probably going to look to Mark Andrews first. Mark Andrews is going to be doubled and tripled so often this season that likely will be forced to basically to get a rapport with Lamar Jackson because I'm telling the listener now, it is going to be a rough start for Mark Andrews, uh, I think, in the first month of the season when there's literally, if it's zone, some sort of bracket coverage. If it's man, 
just two guys just directly in front of him at all times until the Ravens can prove that they can find other weapons down the field. So we'll see how that goes. But very nice so far from Likely. Uh, and get the pads off of him for the third preseason game. Um, defensively, I, I have a couple of names that I want to shout out, and then I'll let you guys just you know either add some analysis of those players or mention some of your own guys. Malik Harrison. Another strong performance. We talked last week, I think, for Harrison that it was, uh, you know, the excitement's been there for him for a couple of years now, and it was nice to see him in a preseason game make some plays. Had a couple of other nice plays. It's nice to see it now sort of layering and sandwiching, and that would be some nice depth uh, along the defensive front uh, for what is already a a sort of a deep part of the Ravens roster. Uh, Demarion Williams. Pepe. Made some nice, nice plays as well. I was getting a little confused when they called him Pepe Williams because I didn't really know who he was. I didn't remember who he was. I was like, is this a, like a free agent or something? No, it's Demarion Williams who they drafted <laughs> like in the middle rounds and are hoping that he uh, can play a lot in this season. And it was nice to see a young corner defending without fouling, basically. Getting his head around on a, on a deep throw and not just holding and grabbing the receiver, panicking or misplaying a pass and guarding neither the ball nor the receiver, which we saw another player make uh, in the previous preseason game. So some nice things from those two guys for me defensively. Uh, what else uh, What else did you guys see or other players that you liked? Uh, Pepe Williams, I thought, yeah, I completely agree with you. Very, very cool to see from him. Maybe another guy that he's the second guy in a tr- position drafted, you know, with Jalen Armour Davis, Davis, excuse me, geez. And he is the one that, uh, that thrives, although we haven't really seen Armour Davis because of injuries and what have you. Um, I know we're going to talk about him a little bit with injuries, but I got to talk about Travis Jones. Um, my God, as, as Nate Tice said on the one legal, by the way, I'm not here to hear <laughs> Trace McSorley's four six, and that's why he goes helmet to helmet. I'm sorry about that. It's ridiculous. Uh, Travis Jones sent McSorley into the nether realm with that hit in the back of the end zone. He, and would you watch him get off? He just shrugs off the guard or the center, whoever it was like the guy wasn't even there. Like he was playing against air. Um, they got Travis Jones in the third round and Isaiah Likely in the fourth round. Like, we talked about how important this – and I, I don't care if I'm overreacting. Screw it. We talked about how important this draft was for Eric DaCosta. Early sides are pretty good. Uh, Travis Jones, obviously, uh, he hurt himself. It doesn't look too, too serious. He will not play in Saturday's preseason game. He should have been playing in the fourth quarter when we knew that he was already going to be a part of this defensive line rotation, maybe even a starter on this defensive line based on how well he's played and, you know, not seen Michael Pierce at all um, over the last couple of seasons, it seems. So Travis Jones for me, I mean, look, I know, stereotype, I'm going to go up to the big dudes up front. Powerful, quick, has some pass rushing presence as well. Just a giant dude in the middle that can eat blocks as well. You talk about him and Calais Campbell next to each other. And then on heavy sets, him, Calais Campbell, and Michael Pierce all together. Who's running on that team? You know, it, I think it was great. On Malik Harrison, just quickly, uh, before before we move on to some other players and you know maybe talk about some negatives as well. I think Malik Harrison, it's good to see that he kind of is what he is. You know, he's a thumper. He's a solid tackler, which is something that his counterpart uh, has struggled with (laughs) in in the middle linebacking core and it seems like his play recognition and stuff is getting a little bit better now we said this about Patrick Queen in his second season and then it didn't turn out that way really for him unfortunately so we'll have to see Uh, but yeah positive signs from Malik Harrison that 
you know, maybe he is a starter or, or at least a spot starter for this team towards the end of the season. That, the two-play sequence he had, like, right near the goal line, right before halftime to hold the car, help hold the Cardinals out of the end zone was just really fantastic. He he just drilled a guy and stopped him and then uh, stopped him short and then on the next play, you know, kind of busts through the line and stopped a guy in the backfield. So, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Um, he barely played, uh, but I just want to give a shout-out to Adafi Owe. He looked fast as hell on Kyle Fuller's interception. He just tore around uh, the Cardinals' left tackle at the time and was chasing Trace McSorley, uh, I believe who was it at the time, and, uh, yeah, forced a bad throw on fourth down. Uh, so I, I'm very excited about the OA experience. They've understandably uh, been playing him very little. They, he should not play a snap in the finale, uh, I don't think, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, and Tim, you mentioned Travis Jones. Yeah, on that, on the, on the play, he blew up McSorley. Just the closing speed to him was very terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. He's he he's a big man, but it's tight and he's fast, <laughs> and it's just very exciting. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I, I, we we hope he's obviously uh, gets well soon. He has a knee hyper. He hyperextended his knee. Uh, John Harbaugh said he'll miss a little bit of time. Who knows what that means? But uh, yeah, I um, the only other guy pseudo defensive I want to give a shout out to uh, from this game is Jordan Stout, the punter. He, uh, you know, he averaged fifty one point three yards per punt on his three punts this game. He actually kicked an extra point at one point with Tucker holding for him. Uh, and um, all three of his punts inside the 20, including a 58-yarder he got off. So, you know, the Ravens made some noise, uh, I think, uh, raised some eyebrows when they drafted a punter in the fourth round, but so far, so good. And, uh, you know, did Matt Areza kick an 82-yard punt in one of the Bills' preseason games? Yes, he did. But we understand there's, you know, certain things the Ravens look for. They're kickers and punters and all that. And, yeah, so far, I think to be replacing a legit legend, Jordan Stout's played really well. So that's been uh, nice to see. On Stout, too, he had the one punt The you talk about what the Ravens want. Maybe not just a dude who could just boot the ball. He had the, the Sam Cook special where he set up right and basically kicked across his body and coffin cornered it onto the left side. Encouraging. Encouraging to see. Yeah, you know what I don't care about? His touchbacks. Give me the guy who uh, is pinning it Damn inside right. the 10, not the guy kicking it 800 yards through the back of the end zone. Never wanted punt god anyway. Don't yeah. listen to old episodes. No, not interested. Guy can't even <laughs> hold a football to save his life for a kicker, so I don't I don't need that on my team. Um, all right, yeah. Uh, any other any other players, guys? The last thing I was going to note was uh, it was it's been nice. We've been through two games of the preseason. I'm going to lit- literally knock on wood here. We've been through two preseason games. We have not had any sort of major disastrous injuries in the third. There's only three games now. There's not four. I would truly play zero first or second string players at all in this game. I would go for the third stringers, the fourth stringers, the fringe guys. Let's see more Raleigh. I forgot his last name. Yep, there we go. Forget Raleigh Webb. Like, he's going to be playing a lot of snaps. Uh, the other guy that I was very confused because he had, what was it? Bailey Gaither. Let's see a lot of Bailey Gaither getting snaps at, at the wide receiver position. Maybe a whole game of Anthony Brown. <laughs> I think that's wise, Jace. Um, but it's, it has been nice to see. Obviously, this has been such a talked about issue over the last six months for the Ravens. But 
they've done a pretty good job of not playing a ton of starters and then pulling a ton of players after just a series or after a couple of plays. Um, Falele looked, it looked like he might have had something that was a bit scary. It looked like he might have had like the sort of player rolling into his knee. Um, but he ended up returning to the game like a few plays, maybe a few series later. Uh, this Travis Jones thing seems like it's it's not too big of a deal. So it's been nice. And let's just continue this trend and have fewer and fewer guys who have any part of the regular season even participate in this third preseason game on Saturday. I want to, okay, I was going to say anything else, but I want to talk about something specific. And that's the offensive line. Because this has been a week by week, you know, who's up, who's down, what the heck's going on. Uh, Juwan James didn't give me a ton of confidence at left tackle in this game. It seemed like he was very often, uh, let's say, reacting to the rush as opposed to attacking the pass rush. Um, some question marks still at left guard, right guard. What was your guys' assessment of, uh, I guess, you know, like closing interview uh, of where this offensive line is after two preseason games? Yeah, a couple things. James not encouraging that he's going to be the the guy to play left tackle if if Stanley can't go week one um you know you nailed that Antonio I don't need to go any further on that the the starting five for you uh was was Juwan James Tyree Phillips at left guard which is the big spot obviously Patrick McCarry playing in for uh subbing in for Tyler Linderbaum at center no Linderbaum and no rookie rookie not playing in preseason Uh, not my favorite but you know I it seems like they're going to throw him in there week one and just see how he does. Uh, ben Powers at right guard and then Falele at right tackle. I thought Falele, after a strong week one in the preseason, kind of struggled a bit as well uh, outside of the injury. Um, just kept getting beat off the edge. And for a bigger guy, that's not what you want. You know, you got to kind of be a dancing bear there and at least being able to power a guy past the quarterback. Tyler Huntley did, did, did some incredible work, I should say stepping up in the pocket so that speed rush wasn't as big of a deal but I thought the guard combination was interesting now I I wonder how much you take out of it because and what I mean is Kevin Zeitler is the right guard he did not play in this game veteran not playing makes sense it's been intimated that Ben Powers is kind of leading the charge uh in terms of the guy who's going to win the left guard spot it ain't gonna be Ben Cleveland it seems like he's out um so it's kind of comes down to Ben Powers and Tyree Phillips so if he's gonna start the, if he's gonna start as left guard or he is the guy that's supposed to be your your starter, why is he starting at right guard in kind of a fill in role for Kevin Zeitler who has nailed down that right guard position? Um, I, that that just seemed kind of off to me. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's more of an open competition than we think. Maybe it's not the you know Powers leading it and Tyree Phillips in second. Maybe they wanted to give Phillips a chance to kind of even the gap. Who knows? We're not in these meetings. I'm not sure. But overall. I thought both of them kind of played like crap. So it's not encouraging. Um, and we're kind of – we're almost a little bit worse off than we were um, last week because I thought there were some positives. Juwan James looked okay. Falele looked good. Both of those guys looked bad. The guards still continue to just look bleh, and we still don't have any Tyler Linderbaum. So, yeah, you know, a long way of saying, not great, Bob. It's very weird. Jeff Zerivik wrote about it in his observations, and it really doesn't make sense to me. Because it does seem like Powers is the guy. 
And my read, I guess, on it as just a fan is they don't want Powers to be the guy. <laughs> they want Phillips and or Cleveland to seize this job, and I think they're just not. And I think they're defaulting to Ben Powers. But I agree. You would think the guy that has the lead on the left guard job would play left guard, but he played right guard and center and was not great at that in this game. Uh, as you mentioned, Tyree Phillips, he had three penalties in this game. It's not great. I, I, I think, you know, I'm not encouraged. I am, uh, I don't know if I've said this on the show or just thought it to myself, but I am, uh, I'm writing off Roddy Stanley to start week one. I just don't see it happening. And, uh, um, yeah, there's concerns. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm very concerned. This line, um, you know, we, we we just sang Isaiah Likely's praises and how we're not worried about the receiving core because of a guy like him. But this team is built, you know, the idea is this team's going to run the ball. And they had 26 carries for 75 yards in this game and rushed for 2.9 yards a carry. Against Cardinals team, that is not a defensive stalwart. You don't think of the Cardinals and think, oh, that great defensive line they have. They barely played any of their starters either. And to just get... So little out of your run game, thanks in part to, you know, as we saw last year, your your offensive line matters a lot, obviously, in your run game. Uh, to, to just get, like, nothing from, from that with several starters probably playing, at least James and Powers figure to start week one, I think. Uh, yeah. Color me concerned. <laughs> I, have, I have I have some definite concerns uh, with their, their rushing performance and just yeah, as, as Tim said, the tackles didn't look great uh, and yeah, it's going to change a little bit. But I think there's still enough. Like I I think the concern is through two games they don't have a left guard uh, that they like. Uh, <laughs> they you know they'll play someone because they have to, but they don't love any other options. Jawan James has been up and down. Uh, which is to be expected. He's played like two games since 2018 or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I am, I'm with what Tim said. I'm far more concerned than I was a week ago. I think. Yeah, can Nick Boyle play left tackle? Mm-hmm. Like, be just an athletic left tackle for a couple of games? Yeah, Jace, it's not good when your starting and backup left tackles have played a combined like one and a half games <laughs> in four years. That's not good at the most one of the most important positions in the NFL. It's a concern in one sense, uh, and then I keep telling myself three rock-solid starters have not played really at all. Uh, actually, no, just have not played at all in the preseason, and... It'll hopefully be this trickle-down effect when, guess what, when you have three very good starters in, that's going to make the work a little bit easier for some of the other you know, remaining spots. But when you trot out a preseason, preseason offensive line, Juwan James is like the most talented of the five guys at the time, and that's why it looks bad, and that's why maybe he struggles a little bit because he's not really getting a ton of help on the line. But we'll see. Uh, still yet to be seen. Week one is going to be fascinating. Uh, week one last year, when the offensive line was a bit of a concern, was fascinating and ended up being a small microcosm of the problems that that line would suffer for the next 16 weeks after that. So, yeah, 
we'll see. Morgan Moses, we're looking for, looking forward to just a rock-solid, steady right tackle play from you, uh, and then getting Zeitler in. And then Linderbaum is the question mark. I think this has been mostly just being really, really careful with him because um, the injury was not like a break of anything or a tear of anything, right? Like, am I remembering this incorrectly? Wasn't it mostly just like a bruise or like a contusion? Do I have to use a, a more medical term for this? So I, I don't, you know, he should be there. Let's talk about the other first rounder that we also have maybe some small question marks, and that's Kyle Hamilton. Um, I, I overreacted to this, but in the in, in the famous Potlucker Raven text thread, I called him Pad Slow, and we already <laughs> know he's Combine Slow. So is Pad Slow and Combine Slow a problem here, or is it just let a rookie figure things out and then the game will slow down for him when he starts figuring it out? I'll, I'll go panic button first. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will I'll caveat this with, you know, some of this is in jest and maybe we should just let the guy figure it out in preseason. But then you watch Isaiah Likely and you're like, oh, man, look at that guy. So it's hard. It's hard. And I know obviously completely different positions would have you. Um, but maybe there's a reason he fell to 14 and it wasn't just the positional value thing. Cause everybody's like, well, the Ravens are zigging when everyone's zagging. The safety is not positional value, but it's going to be. Here's my super piece on why three safeties will be the the era of the uh, the new era of the NFL, and the Ravens are just getting ahead of it. Maybe he wasn't as good of a prospect as we all thought. I don't know. I don't know. I, and that I'm not saying that quite yet. But you watch these games, and it's kind of like, oh, he's a half second to everything. You know, I don't know. That still that all that being said. Still love watching a big safety play. As Jace mentions, the 14 plays. And, like, credit to him. I think he made a mistake on the play action uh, towards the – I think it was on near the goal line. And he kind of – he bit up on the play action but was big enough to get his body in the way. And he deflected a pass with his hand because he's got that – that su- excuse me, that size for a safety. So, I'm not panicking yet, but I'm closer to hitting the button than I'd like to be. Like, I'm starting to lift the case on it, and that's not where I want to be after two weeks of preseason. I think I'm the least concerned of the three of us about all this, which is rare territory on this show, I think. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's looked fantastic, certainly. But, you know, he's a rookie. Uh... I think it's just valuable. He's getting experience. He played uh, more than any defender on the team other than Brandon Stevens in this game. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, I think it's, it's nice to be getting those reps, especially he missed a good, a good chunk of his last college season due to injury. Um, I agree with you. He hasn't been quite as flying over the field instinctual as you want. He's kind of just been there, I think a lot, but I'm also encouraged by the fact that, you know, most of these guys he's not going to be, you know, playing with on a down-to-down basis. Like, you know, we'll have Marcus Peters, hopefully, but definitely Marlon Humphrey, Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams surrounding you and not your Daryl Worleys and Kavon Seymour's as much. So I think, you know, I'm optimistic that with better uh, teammates around him and more trust that he, you know, he was able to kind of make some of these plays that maybe he's, you know, hesitant to make when... When you're playing with kind of a hodgepodge uh, group uh, in 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 these second halves, he has been playing a ton, as I said, uh, deeper deeper into the fourth quarters than I anticipated. But I also think you know there's a reason you know we've talked on and off on the show that they didn't get rid of Chuck Clark, I guess, and uh, 
to, to I think that'll be valuable for Kyle Hamilton to like if he does struggle they're not relying on him to be the guy they have Marcus Williams who we know is a great player they have Chuck Clark who we know is a really great player um so yeah so I'm not too worried I mean I'd love to see more uh that would be great a pick in the final preseason game I think when uh assuage uh, i think that's the second time i use that word this uh show uh, everyone's fears <laughs> um but uh yeah I, i'm i'm not too worried about it at present but certainly it, he could have started better than he has i guess i watched the manti tail documentary last night and he was drafted at the year that the ravens took matt elam at the end of the first round and i just got like flashbacks of safeties that didn't pan out for the Ravens type uh draft picks so yeah not not over the you know sort of super concerned yet specifically because as Jace mentioned we do not have to rely on him which is such a nice thing for a first round draft pick just figure things out learn from the starters that are ahead of you um it's looking more and more like Chuck Clark is still going to be (laughs) on this team to start the year there were a lot of question marks about him being uh, potentially traded and that has not happened um so just, you know, you hope to see little small steps of improvement for Hamilton. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, I have one more note on this game, and then I'm going to turn it to you guys for whatever final thoughts you have. But the Cardinals, they're, they're a joke. Uh, <laughs> I would not like being a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. They've had this so much embarrassment from this contract with Kyler Murray about the independent study and stop playing the video games and like who knows how seriously he takes this uh role on this team he had him deleting the like deleted all the arizona references on his instagram like during contract negotiations it's just so then they like joke back and let him call a series in their first preseason game and then they like double down on the joke and he's calling all the plays in the second half of an nfl football game and it's just can you imagine, first of all, John Harbaugh doing something like that? No, absolutely not. He doesn't joke around during football games. He doesn't find it funny at all. This is I'm prepared for them to have such a disappointing season as a result of all these, what are they just distractions? But really the best quote was from our very own Jace Evans um, in response to the Cardinals letting Murray call plays uh, with the call sheet on the sidelines. Quote, unquote, unserious franchise. Perfectly put, Jace. Uh, and I'm glad that they lost and that the Ravens' preseason meaningless win streak continues. Well, so that's the thing for me. Like, I do think, on the one hand, I, I do think John Harbaugh is too sometimes too and perhaps too invested in the results of preseason games. Like, I, you know, I... The Travis Jones thing, it's unfortunate. I would have pulled him. But, like, I also get what they're trying to do. They're trying to evaluate... And that's why I, 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 I think I, I circle back to the, the Cardinals, like, like treating it like a joke. Like, yeah, these games don't matter, and it, the Ravens probably do try too hard sometimes to win. Um, 
these games. But at the same time, like, there is value to be gained in this. You know, the coaches are supposed to be getting something from this. You're supposed to be working on play calls, situations. Like, like even if you're going to cut almost every player that plays in the fourth quarter, like, the coaches get valuable stuff. And the Cardinals are just, like, wasting their time. And and that that's like disrespectful to the players like football is an extremely dangerous game and like your coach is just like outwardly like like that ah, this doesn't matter we're probably gonna cut you and like it's just not like fair and respectful for the guys who are like you know put it on the line you could get paralyzed playing football it's an extremely dangerous sport and i just didn't like it like because yeah it's like yeah, these games don't matter, but they're still, like, yeah, like the Ravens. Like, I mentioned Kyle Hamilton and Brandon Stevens, two guys who figure to play a lot, played the, the most snaps on the team on the defensive side of the ball. And, like, maybe Brandon Stevens shouldn't have played as much as he did, but they're learning something about Brandon Stevens, a second-year pro who was basically instructed to be, like, just go be the, the right cornerback for the entire game. And, you know... They learned some stuff. He had some good plays. He had some bad plays. He got unfairly called for a holding on one call. He had a very stupid, you know, uh, roughing penalty on the sideline. But you learn something from these games. And and the Cardinals are just, you know, not to keep going about it, but they're, yeah, they're they're a joke. <laughs> they're they're just wasting everyone's time. And yeah, it's funny, but it's you know, it's it's disrespectful. And yeah, you're wasting your your time. And there's things you could be learning, and that's why I agree with you, Antonio. I think uh, there's a chance they're the worst team in the NFC West, even worse than the Seahawks this season. Anything else, guys? Any other players, disappointments, uh, flashes that you liked? Yeah, I just have two quick thoughts here. Um, Shamar Bridges did nothing, so let's not get super <laughs> excited about that. Yeah. I, you know, everybody's like, oh, the, the, and even the, the panel here, myself included, were like, well, maybe tall receiver, who knows? Uh, he had one catch for eight yards, and it was towards the end of the game. So at that point, the Podlick Raven text group was texting about the Orioles. So you know, <laughs> don't take anything from that. Um, and then the only the other guy that I'm kind of worried about who got I mean I wouldn't say a lot of hype, but a, a, a more hype than you would for a sixth round pick is uh, Tyler Beatty, uh, the running back out of Missouri, who really hasn't featured. Now he did finish. If you look at the box score, he finished with the most carries by. Uh, double the amount from the second closest guy 12 carries 34 yards but it was all after the likes of mike davis after the likes of justice hill after the likes of nate mccrary who he was kind of splitting duties with and then they kind of transitioned to Beatty. Beatty, who had a good camp who um you know has a pass catching ability that they were high on might not make this roster and it, and it's a guy that you know ravens don't like cutting rookies especially guys that they draft i should say the guys they drafted undrafted guys you know get cut all the time but they don't like dra- uh, cutting guys that they drafted and because they want to give them a chance but i mean look at that room you know gus edwards is probably going to start on the ir so that does free up a roster space at least initially but let's include him let's you know go maybe midway through the season or whatever gus edwards jk dobbins mike davis justice hill tyler Beatty, nate mccrary that's six running backs. You're keeping at most four. And right now, it seems like McCrary, probably a practice squad guy, you would think. Um, he only had one carry for nine yards there, but it seemed like he was in more of the game than Beatty, and I could be reading that wrong, And I, if, if, at least earlier in the game. Again, 
before we were texting about the Orioles on the text group because admittedly that's where the game went on the iPad and I was doing other stuff. It just it it's discouraging for a guy who had an opportunity with two injuries to two starting running backs and Dobbins and Edwards that he isn't really getting time to shine with the pseudo ones uh, in a preseason well, game. And he might have got even less time. McCrary actually suffered some sort of injury. Right. To him. Thank you. Uh, yep. Yep. And, and so yeah, that's probably why Beatty did end up with more carries. I'm with you. I I, I kind of wanted to see more from him. You know, no disrespect to Justice Hill. I was kind of hoping he could beat out a justice hill or at least be higher on the depth chart because i think we've seen the justice hill experience and it's fine i know they love him on special teams but uh and how he fought and justice hill came back from his achilles tear very impressive but yeah you kind of want a little more but i haven't been super discouraged but you 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 do i i i agree i i wanted to see a little more from him as well i think they might actually keep an extra running back tim i think they're going to be at five for the special teams uh, roles, I think Justice Hill sticks healthy because of the we, Miles Boykin's not coming through that door, yep. so they need uh, some special teams help from offensive players, and I think he'll stick for that reason. Beatty, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, maybe he's like a Geno Stone type guy, like Geno Stone was a draftee who I th- was like cut and then came back and then was gone and came back and is now sort of solidifying uh, a back end role, so. It's possible that Beatty is is cut before we get down to 53, um, and then maybe is able to hang around a little bit and then come back when there's when there's another spot for him. But we'll see for that. Uh, anything else, guys? Any other players, names? All right, the Ravens march on one more game before the real ones, and that is this coming Saturday against the DC Commies uh, at 7 p.m. <laughs> Looks like that game is in uh, in Baltimore. Thank God. Thank God. Right. Play. Thank God. Because I just this just came across. Uh, Fox 5 DC did just tweet out, or it was earlier on Monday. FedEx Field, which known to injure many a player, including J.K. Dobbins last season, is ranked as the worst stadium in the league, according to USA Today. Thanks, Jace. And this season, the Washington Commies will also serve the most expensive beer in the country for four, Well, at least there's that. Fourteen dollars <laughs> for a standard draft. This. The, the Twitter genius that is PFT Commenter, although it, now it says PFT Commander on his Twitter page. This is a parody account, folks, if you don't know. Quote tweeted this saying, Name another stadium that almost collapses on your opponent's QB. If anything, our home field advantage is too strong, but not surprising that the fake news would put forth this negative narrative. So, yeah, again, thank God we're playing at the bank because let's keep these boys healthy. Yeah, I look forward to oh, – let me pick up the depth chart here. Benjamin Victor getting a lot of a lot of runs out there. Ben Mason, a lot of Ben Mason. Uh running the ball, blocking, whatever. Uh Khalil McKenzie. Let's see how he can do at one of the guard spots. Cause I don't want to see anybody else. I don't want to see guys that are actually gonna get snaps when it's week one, September eleventh, in New York City against the J E T S lose, lose, lose to the Ravens week one. Uh, all right, that's all we have. We're going to have Tim go over the random Raven clues one more time. I'm down to two names, Jace, but I, I'm not confident that I know between the two of them. So, Tim, let's hear those clues one more time. All right, clue number one. This two-time Pro Bowler and two-time second-team All-Pro player spent three of his 12 seasons in Baltimore. Those three were towards the end of his career because he spent his final season somewhere else. Clue number two, he was drafted in the eighth round, remember that, of the 1992 <laughs> NFL draft out of Penn State. 
and spent the rest of his 12-year career with two AFC East teams. And to clarify, that is two teams in the AFC East now, although I will say I'm pretty sure they were always in the AFC East if the AFC East was a thing. I can't remember. We, the freaking like, Cardinals were in the NFC East at one point. It made no sense. Clue number three, he was a member of the 2000 Ravens Super Bowl team. Clue number four, he wore the same number as Musa Smith, James Ahedabo, Eric Weddle, and Deshaun Elliott. And clue number five, in 1999, this player became the first back in NFL history to be selected to the Pro Bowl without carrying the ball once during the regular season, a.k.a. Tim's kind of player. Jay still seems a bit confused, so Antonio, yeah, I will I th- throw I to you. I think I'll let Antonio go. I oh, have like no. two names, but... He seems more confident than me. Well, Antonio, you can answer, and then Jace, if you have a different answer, we'll let you before I say anything. Okay. Well, it's the problem here because I don't even have a first name. Um, It's but I think it's. Oh gosh. Um, It's between these two guys. I'm going to be annoyed, but I think it's the last name. I think is Ian Badejo, and it's not Brendan Ian Badejo because he was a linebacker for the Ravens many years later. This is like his cousin, brother, slash no relation, but that's what I'm going with, and I don't even remember the first name, but I believe it's the fullback, uh, Ian an, all, an all-time Ravens name, Obafemi, Ian I believe his brother, right? Like his older brother, maybe? I th- I, I'm, pretty sure I yeah, I'm pretty sure they're related. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're related. Obafemi, uh, I think, so, does stuff for the Ravens, or used to do stuff for like the Ravens radio teams. Yeah, he's on like 98 Rock for a while, I think. So that was the name I had, Antonio. The other name I had, I'll just throw it out, uh, since he was one of two, was... Sam Gash. But that I was my other name. Yeah. What yeah. number yeah. he wore or Ibadejo either. <laughs> I love this. This might be a first. You guys have different answers. One of you is correct and one of you isn't. And you'll never guess. It's Jace Evans who is correct. It is Sam Gash. Oh, not, come not on. Not Obafemi Ibadejo. Uh, Sam Gash. Breaking, <sighs> breaking the lines for Jamal Lewis. You know. Up there with the likes of Leron McLean and Lorenzo Neal and uh, oh, Vontae Leach, God love him. Kyle Juszczyk, now Pat Ricard. Long list of just beautiful, beautiful fullbacks for the Baltimore Ravens. So <laughs> Sam Gash on that list as well. Congrats, Jason. Well, hold on, though, real quick. I mean, I'm not doubting the, that this is the right answer, but I just looked up Ian Badejo. Obafemi is Brendan Ian Badejo? Am I crazy? Oh, no, Obafemi no. is the other one. Yes, Obafemi is the other one. Oh, because I, I put the name up quickly and a photo of Brendan Ibadejo came up and I was like, wait, what? Is this like a Jason Owe, Odafe Owe <laughs> situation like that they, I just are, had no idea brothers, about? Uh, according to Football Reference. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm bitter. I'm bitter about it, but I accept. I, if I were to accept the loss to anyone, it would be Jay Sevens in a trivia, in a trivia game. Uh, Sam Gash, did he have like the big foam he thing did. in the big back? Big foam like, roller, yeah. yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's frustrating. So did the Ravens have two fullbacks at the same time? <laughs> I think Obafemi was more of a special teams guy, and Sam Sam okay. Gash was yeah. the guy putting his nose in there uh, against linebackers every week. Well, I will be doing deep research. Got to get in the film room. <laughs> Got to get the studying. You know, put the hours in and give 110% because this was just devastating. <laughs> Uh, all right, and on that well, he can't even that. close the show. He's so devastated. I, I'm like, I, I can't. I'm, I'm I'm lost. I'm, I'm just I'm online doing research now. I'm not interested in, in closing. All right, uh, that's it for us. We'll be back next week. We're gonna close out the preseason. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna start doing what are always some of the more fun episodes on this show. We're gonna be two weeks out from the week one 
game against the Jets. We'll start teasing out some of the prop bets, some of the over-under uh, numbers, and, and some more solid predictions for what we think this Ravens team is, is capable of and what they're actually going to do in reality. Uh, and that'll be coming out on uh, on the 30th of August as the summer plugs along here. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Cardera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.